Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We recommend Spotify, which works on either platform. You can also find us on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there every single day at 7 p.m. That is also free. Also free. That's right. Lots of free. FiveReasonSports.com. Make sure that you check it out. F-I-V-E ReasonSports.com. All the latest from Brady Hawk and the others on the Heat Dolphins and all the other teams in South Florida. And I cover all those teams on onsideradio.com. That's every day at 10 a.m. Also, we want to thank the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Support them to support us. I mean, this is a sponsor that I use a lot. This is Louis Peters over at State Farm. He just saved me 350 bucks on my car insurance over six months. He can do that and more for you. Get you the best deal. And here's the thing. If he doesn't have the best deal, he's honest. He'll tell you, look, Go somewhere else. Okay, I can't get it for you on this one, but maybe on something else. They sell everything at State Farm. This is the agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States, but you need rental insurance. You need life insurance. They do that too. More than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry based right here in South Florida. They understand South Florida's unique market right in Miami at 7750 Southwest 117th Avenue. But check out louispeters.com. That's L-U-I-S. Peters.com, big Miami sports fan. You can also talk to him down there at 305-275-5585. That's 305-275-5585, louispeters.com. The other sponsor of this episode, you'll hear from him later on. He talked to me for his value play segment. He's Eric Brown, 5reasonsrealtor.com. That's F-I-V-E, reasonsrealtor.com. This is someone who not only can help uh, first-time home buyers. he's worked with celebrities, he's worked with everybody, and he knows South Florida's market as well. So check out Eric. You'll, again, you'll hear from him later on in the episode, but it's 5reasonsrealtor.com. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick. With Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I'm your host, Greg Sylvander. Tonight's floor plan, no Ethan Skolnick. Again, he gets a night off. It feels like he's getting lots of nights off recently. I don't know what's up with that, but... um, Low management. He's the hardest working man in, in Miami sports show business right now, I would say, with the with the network and everything going on. But uh, with me this evening, we have Alex Toledo. You can follow him at, at Tropical Blanket on Twitter. And um, we also are joined by our uh, post-game stream extraordinaire host, uh, Royal A. Shepard, as you can follow him on Twitter, uh, with us for the standing in for Ethan tonight. Welcome for joining. What well, or uh, thank you for joining us. No problem, dude. Anyway. So, um, this is a bit of a weird moment. I would say like, uh, when you talk about the schedule and when you're about to embark on a, um, on, on a long West coast string and the heat have some climbing to do in the standings. It was a bit of a weird, uh, slow news day. So I kind of want to slow down and get away from the action a little bit and talk about some news that popped up on the timeline today. And we're going to address it. There's a couple things I wanted to clarify that I've heard after I checked in on uh, a few things and, um, and kind of go from here. So the first thing is this, there was an article uh, by a gentleman by the name of Jake Fisher who is um, 
let's see here. Most recently, uh, or he writes for Bleacher Report and um, is, is an author, uh, seemingly, you know, has done stuff for Sports Illustrated. So to my knowledge, I, I don't know the gentleman, but he appears to be a reputable source. I uh, wrote, wrote an article on Kyle Lowry and about um, that this could be the final games of Kyle Lowry in um, in Toronto and the fascinating wrinkle he calls it uh, of this year's trade deadline that uh, sparked a little bit of um, buzz on heat Twitter specifically today because the Miami heat were mentioned in the article as a viable option for Kyle Lowry to be traded to Miami, but also we know that um, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry have a longstanding relationship. That's Jimmy's dude. We got people very close to Jimmy that have told us outright that um, if he could play with anybody around the league, Kyle Lowry is about at the top of the list. So I think that there is um, dot connection there that isn't unwarranted. Uh, so I'm going to start here. Um do you guys think, are you buying Kyle Lowry? I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Alex. Are you buying Kyle Lowry as an option for Miami? And we've talked a lot about this before, so I'm kind of readdressing it um, in the context of would you give up Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson to get him? Man, if you're just going to frame it like that, that's, that is really tough, man. What is how old is Kyle Lowry now? Thirty-five? Do I have that right? Thirty-four? I think he's the same age as Dragic. Uh, but I think it's really tough to trade one of those guys for a thirty-five-year-old Lowry. Uh, even then, I would really, really, really consider it. And especially knowing that it probably won't be just a, a straight-up one-for-one trade, I think it'd be a little bit tough to pull the trigger on that. I was thinking of it in terms of, you know, maybe you get the price to be like a pick and precious and some filler, or I don't know, something like that, where maybe you don't have to trade one of those two guys and you can still strengthen the core, adding a win-now piece like him. But uh, I think it's definitely a relevant option. I think it's just as far as what does Toronto want to return and, like, does Lowry actually want to be traded, right? I think it, it, it's – I look at it from that end and also from the end that, like, he's going to be a free agent, right? So at some point, like – if they're not sure about his commitment to Toronto, the best move would be to trade him now because they're not going to trade any of their other pieces. And it would just make a lot of sense to get something in return and letting him walk. So something that with Kyle Lowry, this is what's been tugging at me about this deal. Usually I'm all in on like the next let's trade for an all-star conversation. And like, I am the star hunter that that's my deal. Cause I follow what, what Riley, the blueprint is, is, is what I'm about. Right. But this Kyle Lowry thing has thrown me for a loop because when we talked about it in past seasons, it was always under the context of them trading Goran Dragic in exchange for Kyle Lowry. And now it appears as if that's not really likely. I don't know. I just don't feel like Jimmy is going to uh, sign off on a Goran deal. I feel like the organization and Goran are working together. That just seems pretty evident. He doesn't want to be go anywhere. I mean, I guess if there was anyone that they were going to trade Goran for, maybe it's Kyle Lowry, who's Jimmy's homie. Royal, um, do you think that Miami would consider putting Goran in a deal for Kyle Lowry, even the heartache that comes with it, if it allowed them to keep Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero? I think there's no way in hell they include Goran Dragic in any trade. Um, the Kyle Lowry thing is interesting, but even back to the question that you asked Alex, I don't think they put Duncan or Tyler in that trade. Like, I, I, I just don't. Um, 
at this point, it's like if you're not trading for a star, then you don't trade those guys for anything, uh, especially a depreciating asset like Lowry. He's nice to have. But at this point, I don't even feel like Lowry would move the needle that much for this team. Like, I, I feel like he's an improvement. He's an upgrade in certain respects. But I don't think I don't think he puts us over the top. So I, I wouldn't, you know, gut the morale or, the, or one of the, you know, emotional leaders of the team for a Kyle Lowry. So, no, I wouldn't trade Drogic or Tyler or Duncan. For that, that, you know what? That, that's really interesting that you say that. I think that you would find the Heat fan base is far more divided on that conversation than maybe we, the three of us are. And I don't know, Alex, I'll let you jump in in a moment. But I agree with you. Like, there's a part of me that feels like um, Kyle Lowry isn't – he isn't the quote-unquote whale – that makes you cash in all the chips. And he also is not worth it to me to um, do uh, Goran Dragic in bad faith. And, but I don't think that the, the latter of those two is really the concern. It's more about the, the first option. And it's like, what is your ceiling if you get Kyle Lowry, but you have to sacrifice Duncan Robinson to do it. And um, I think that there's some definite things that he would help with. And uh, he plugs a lot of holes, especially defensively and getting the team organized, cutting down turnovers, hitting threes. I mean, I think he's shooting eight attempts, shooting pretty well. Um, Alex, like where, where do you stand with this Lowry thing? Like, do you think it is um, I, I don't think you're going to go to the place of that. You think Goran is going to be included in a deal, but are you in that same spot Royals at where you don't think he is he doesn't elevate them enough to uh, empty out any of these chips. Well, that, but also even more than that, I just don't see why Goron is the piece to go out and deal. Like I understand the Raptors still want to compete and all that. Goron is still a good player, but to me, it would just seem to make more sense to, you know, get back some younger guys to kind of throw into your, your rebuild there and not, not a rebuild, but to like, you know, your like, Contenders need to have young cores, and the Raptors are just as good as anybody at developing young guys. So if the, he can give can give them like KZ and Precious, I'm not saying I, I, I'm already good with, you know, giving up multiple young guys like that. But like I could see that being something that uh, appeals to the Raptors more than Goron, who is also going to be a free agent and like who is clearly kind of starting to decline a little bit. And yeah, Goron is still a good player for sure. But and you know, you throw in the you throw in the angle that he's just so close to Jimmy and he's Jimmy's guy. And, and it would be, it would be kind of cold if the, he traded him. I think it would be, yeah. well, it, it wouldn't match with everything like a, they said. Doesn't it kind of feel like a lateral move for them to get Goran either? Like if you're going to trade for Goran drive, you might as well keep Lowry, right? Like, no, yeah. Trading for <laughs> yeah, Goran. Well, like, especially because you don't upset the fan base, you know, you can play defense still. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I, I have a hard time knowing what Toronto's, um, long-term plan is like with, with Masai um, kind of uh, like I, I I've, I've been reading stories recently about teams like anting up to go and get him. And I wonder if Toronto would be, do they have the guts to go full reset when he is potentially able to go elsewhere or do they want to stay in contention? And does a player like Dragic actually extend the window if they, if he picked up his team option and they had an extra year with Dragic, Maybe, maybe not. I kind of see your point that Dragic is really not the player that makes the most sense there. So I'm leaning in your direction there. And then, you know, there's also a conversation of how you make those pieces fit, depending on who you send out with Hero, Nunn, 
Dragic, you know, and, and, and Lowry and all that. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit here to uh, a deal that just happened. And it happened with a team that uh, the Miami Heater currently in a two game set with, and that's Derek Rose ended up in New York for the second time. Um, and it was reported by somebody who I cannot recall off the top of my head, but it was somebody credible, if I remember correctly. Um, and I hate that I can't credit the person. Vin, I think it was Vincent I was, I was Goodwill. Say, yeah, I think it's Vinny um, Goodwill. So, yeah, and, you know, Vinny's a friend of the program. He, he's as, as legit as they come. Said Miami was one of the teams that was interested in Derrick Rose. That had me raise an eyebrow because when you think about um, the guard needs and – the fact that they're in on a Derrick Rose type. Now we hear, hear these Kyle Lowry whis whispers. Um, what do you guys think this means? Like, I've kind of felt like they're kind of a little crowded at the guard spot. Yeah, they miss like the pure point guard. But these guys, not all of them are necessarily fitting that bill. Um, what, what does it tell you, Roy? I'll go to you here. Um, about kind of the what their feeling is on the on the backcourt that you're hearing names like Lowry and Rose as viable trade options. Uh, it sounds like they don't trust it. <laughs> like uh, outside of Gore, uh, yeah, Kendrick Nunn has been playing well as of late, but uh, it, it's, it seems like they don't believe that that's sustainable. Um, I, I don't want to speak for the organization here, but I mean, we would think that they would be looking in the market for a power forward. Exactly. Yet the, the only thing that we were hearing them connected to are point guards. So maybe they view the guard or the, the defense at the guard position as a more important need than rebounding. Uh, but I mean, it, it is very interesting, like you said, that they would even look into a Derrick Rose type player because he doesn't strike me as a defensive stopper or, or no. anything like that. He, yeah. He's kind of like an older version of Kendrick Nunn at this point. I was going to say decorated Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's MVP Kendrick Nunn. So it's <laughs> like, like, well, I, I don't, I don't understand the move, but I mean, they got guys smarter than me getting paid to do this. Is it a smoke screen, Alex? Is like, is that what that is? Miami's name's just getting thrown in there, even though it's BS. I don't know if it's a smoke screen. That didn't come to my head, but that's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know. The heat worked in funny ways. So maybe, but, uh, them looking at guards is interesting. Like I, I'm sure that has to that has to be connected to the Dragic stuff. It has to be connected to kind of wanting somebody else who can take the pressure off of you know always needing Jimmy and Goron to kind of initiate and attack the rim and do things like that. So the Derek thing is weird because like Royal said, like I just they need to be adding two way guys, and Derek is definitely not that type of guy. He's he's a better version of Kendrick Nunn, and Kendrick has been playing good too. So I'm not trying to trash him or anything like that. But Derek is just they have similar skill sets and what they do, like they're, score, they're scoring guards who can come in and uh, off the bench score. And, you know, Derek's been kind of like a starter level player more than, 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 than Kendrick is, but I just don't know that that's what they need. And as far as whether they go for guards or forwards, it seems like they were going for forwards more in the off season. And, you know, Adam was kind of hinting at that there was a player that, they hadn't they thought they had locked down and who ended up you know signing with another team who was a forward there you know they tried to get mo harkless as that guy it obviously didn't work out so you know maybe they're looking at it uh, like heat fans doing me like look they could use some help at guard and forward and so that <laughs> that would be nice too if, if uh you know they weren't just having their sights focused on one type of position. I obviously don't have any sources. I don't, I wouldn't know anything about that, but like you talk about a team like OKC and I mentioned this before, 
you know, unprotected pick, give him something like Kendrick Nunn or Casey Ockpal or something like that, one of those guys, and maybe you get back George Hill and Trevor Ariza or something like that. I think you can make that happen. Like, I think Lowry would be really nice. I do think he makes the Heat a good amount better. I don't think he's a whale per se, but I, I think he would be awesome for this team. I just think they have a lot, like a variety of ways they can go without having to trade Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson. My yeah. thing is like, what what problem does Derrick Rose fix on this roster? Like he is, is he, are you bringing him in to be a starter if you're looking at him? Because like if you trade Kendrick and something else like KZ, who's not in your rotation, like I guess it's like an upgrade on Kendrick, but yeah, even that's but, like he, but he'd be a starter though. Like it, even with Goran back, if you want to keep Goran off a bench, yeah. then Derrick and Rose I don't is love a starter that. at point guard. But you can start Goran and bring Derrick <laughs> off the bench because I think Goran plays really well with the starters and then, you know, Derek off the bench, that kind of takes some pressure off of Goron. But e- e- either way, it, I'm agreeing with you, though. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. see it. It doesn't really make fit. a lot of sense. It's yeah. a clunky fit at best. Yeah, no, totally agreed also because he's not particularly a, a great shooter either. Um, you know, so a- another interesting wrinkle here is how they approach the rest of this season. And I know we've stayed uh, transaction heavy here, and that's by design. That we're trying to kind of pivot away from the on-court stuff because you're going to get plenty of that throughout the rest of this week on Five on the Floor. But um, as we talk about going forward roster construction and how they get the next acquisition that takes them to the next level, Barry Jackson wrote a really insightful piece, uh, piece in the Miami Herald. I encourage everybody to go check it out. You guys know where to find Barry Jackson's work. He's best in the business. Um, really mapped it out uh, and articulated uh, some different ways Miami could acquire that talent, but also some challenges that would come. I want to get into some of that and ask you guys how you think Miami moves forward based off of some of these implications. So, Barry Jackson, as I mentioned, uh, wrote a great piece in the Miami Herald recently, kind of charting out Miami's options for roster construction moving forward. And he brought up something that I thought was particularly interesting to think about. And that is this notion of the sign and trade, which um, I know I have been selling as a bill of goods to Miami heat fans as a vehicle with which the heat can acquire a player so that this whole cap space thing and worrying about how much cap space they have, like calm the hell down. They can make a transaction anyway. But Barry brought up a really good point today that I think is worth us talking about. And that is that um, when you sign and trade for a player, you are um, then subject to the hard cap. And even though you would have a player like Duncan Robinson's cap hold, and I'm getting a little cap nerd on the, on the listeners here, just bear with me. Um, you wouldn't be able to sign him to whatever he would command on the open market, because once you, you can't go over the hard cap and, um, I'm not going to read all of the numbers and get into the nitty gritty that way. Cause I don't think anybody necessarily wants to go down that road, but essentially what this is breaking down to, and I'm going to read a direct quote here from him is that, um, but for those wondering whether the heat could execute a sign and trade for say, Oladipo or John Collins at close to max money and keep Robinson at big money, it would be impossible from a hard cap standpoint, unless the heat dumps Drogic. So that's the scenario I want to talk about just quickly here. Where do you guys think we stand with the Heat's sense of urgency? Alex, I'll start with you. Sense of urgency and getting a deal done now to avoid this issue where the hard cap uh, you know, provides constraints from them keeping some of these guys that they need to round out the rest of the roster. So Barry Jackson's article, which you know reiterated everything you said, was great and 
very, very informative. It kind of goes through a whole lot of scenarios that I think Heat fans would have, you know, different questions about that are kind of complicated with cap stuff. And I think he does a pretty good job of making it clear there. And the one that we're talking about here, I, I, I'm sort of on the stance that I think they should, it would be best if like they want to add another max type contract to be, to trade now. I think that's kind of what the piece made even more clear, which I already, I mean, I knew this already because it obviously makes sense to be able to trade for a guy, get his bird rights, as opposed to going into free agency and signing him with cap when the, you know, they, they're going to have about 22 or so million available. Cause it seems like they're going to, you know, retain none. It seems like going to retain some of these other options there. And so if you have 22 million, that's not going to get you somebody like Victor Oladipo or Kyle Lowry on space. Uh, so you would have to find other ways to, you know, like if you do a sign and trade, it puts you in the hard cap. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you, you're hard capped. And essentially from there, you can't do anything. Whereas if you do a trade during the season, you can kind of still retain some flexibility, retain Duncan Robinson. And whether, you know, whether you want to, cause this is not even a Duncan Robinson thing, right? Like whether you want to move on from him or not, however you feel about Duncan Robinson, you would still retain the asset and still have some flexibility financially while adding a high level player like a Oladipo or, Ky or Kyle Lowry. And so I just think it makes a lot of sense to kind of do that trade now. And I think, you know, we obviously need a little bit more time with the team healthy, but I think we can all kind of agree like this team isn't some team that has shown you that they're, you know, they're up there as a top five team yet. They just haven't played like that this season where a, a team that could ignore making acquisitions like that, you know, during the regular season. Uh, that's a great point. Or acting like they're above it. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Like they can just keep this roster intact because it's a finals team. Like I think some of that stuff is about to, if it's not already worn off, it is about to wear off officially. Seems like it has. Oh, it's gone. It's leagues. gone, bro. It's yeah, gone. So <laughs> I was, I'm not even going to ask Royal if he wants to make a trade now or if he wants to wait till the off season because that's a dumbass question to ask Royal because I know he wants to make a trade right now. So, so I'm going to actually flip it on you in a different way and ask you it this way. Um, Alex mentioned heat available cap space, which is clocking in. Bear with me here. Now, this is if they keep the cap holds of none and Robinson. You just barked out the number and now I'm trying to find it. 22 um, million, I believe. If they do keep those guys. 22 to 25 million, I think, is the range depending on the salary cap. Okay, right. So, but that's not enough for a max uh, max slot of 30 to 32 million. So I ask you this, Royal. Would you rather trade for Oladipo now and have the ability to re retain like a, a Duncan Robinson? Um, or would you rather, um, but in this trade for Oladipo, you're probably going to have to give up assets in order to incentivize Houston to like make this happen. So I don't know if that's draft capital or if it's precious or wh whatever the case may be. It's going to be something. You're not going to just get them for expirings. Um, or would you rather hold off and with this 25 to 22 million dollars sign a player like let's say Alonzo Ball caliber guy that you can get for 20 to 22 million dollars um or do you think that that's kind of um not getting the heat to the place uh from a top level like can they compete as a contender doing something like that I'm interested to hear your perspective See, you're tugging at my heartstring because I've been calling for Lonzo Ball for a couple of weeks now. Um, but I, I don't believe that Lonzo Ball is the type of player that pushes us over the top. So I think I would prefer to trade for Anola Depot because he, at the very least, raises the floor on this team and possibly raises the ceiling. Lonzo Ball would be nice to have, but I still believe that if you trade it for uh, Oladipo and end up having to let Duncan walk, you can still make an offer to Lonzo Ball 
it may not be the best offer that he get, but if he's looking for a chance to win, uh, then we could be an attractive destination for him. I just really believe that at this point you have to, uh, I think Clutch is brainwash me because he keeps saying it but we have to generate assets at this point so um like if you're gonna if you're gonna make a move even if you have to trade the kids for an Ola depot or something you can still have an Ola depot and flip him next year if he's not working out the way that you want but you can't just uh you can't just hold steady and then go into the offseason and sign guys who don't move the needle on this team at all I agree because they just like struck out in the offseason. Like this Harkless Leonard, uh, Avery Bradley thing is not working out. So I, I hear you there. It's just don't talk about Gorn getting dealt. That's where I start getting triggered. I did on pregame recently and oh, shout out to Clutch. That's my homie. I got I, I got all red in the face, but I love that oh, my guy. God. I was so mad that I wasn't on for that. When I saw it, I was <laughs> I, I was so happy. It was like prime leaf back in my eyes, and I, I was you. mad. The I boy, wasn't there to to kind of instigate it some more. The boy Leif is the culture captain. Once you come for the culture, <laughs> yeah, you're going hey. to get the horns, baby. So I, I didn't was, know Gorn would like uh, evoke that out of me. I guess that bubble <laughs> run did that to me. I told Adam he deserved it. I told him like, no man, get out of here. <laughs> no, personally, I hate Clutch, so I was great. I was glad to see it. <laughs> sure, yeah, we're do. all we're all united in, in in hating Adam. No, but uh, <laughs> like, I mean, to me, that whole talk of like trading Gorn for like the number twenty two pick or something like that is silly. In a year like this where like you're supposed to be a team that's contending and like he obviously means a lot to the Eat and to Jimmy Butler, your best player. I mean, he, I, I know he's cool with Bam too. Like he's, it would just make, they need him. Like they need Goran Dragic. Yeah. It's not like they're just some, that's just somebody you can trade, right? Do, Outside of the emotional stuff. I do want to acknowledge Clutch's overarching point when it comes to Goran, which is that this was an emotional signing for us to give Goran Dragic $18 million. Like it was a bad business decision. And was I, it though? I no. have to agree. I have to agree with him. I don't agree with that. It was a yeah. bad, it was a bad business uh, sign because he's not worth $18 million at this point in his career. Yeah, but I think that you're you're paying a little bit of equity towards future contracts. I think and how he played in the bubble. Considered. Yeah, um, but how he when played it mattered most, how you played in the bubble, how it's all well and good, but we were paying him seventeen million dollars then to do it. What but, I'm saying is that this summer, that eighteen million could have been repurposed to get us some better players. That's no, why, but it really couldn't have though. Like that's the thing; they were operating as an above the cap team, as a cap space team. They, I mean, I guess in hindsight, you could say, oh, well, they could have Christian Wood, who looks so great, or like Jeremy Grant, but that was never part of the plan to begin with. So I think it's a little Monday morning quarterback going on there, but I, I understand why you would do that. I, I, I get it. I mean, um, but that, you know good. what? We're about to go off the rails. That's a podcast for another day. <laughs> so I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in with us. Ethan will be back to direct traffic in a far more cohesive manner uh, going forward. Uh, thank you for listening and um, support our sponsors so that it can support us. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick. Before we get to the second part of our episode with Eric Brown of FiveReasonsRealtor.com, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We had a ton of signups over the weekend for the Super Bowl, so people are playing it. It's prizepicks.com. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E, even though the NFL season is over. There's plenty of stuff to play. You can play the NBA, of course, but also you can play the NHL. You can play Highlight. You can play just about anything at prizepicks.com. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E, to get your bonus you can combine 
athletes from different sports. If you want to, you go over or under the fantasy projections. You can also play the single stat categories, which are really popular. You can find two, three, four, five. You can go power play to go for it all. Or if you want to hedge a little bit, uh, you can play it that way too. So check it out. It's prizepicks.com. Use the code five. And now the second part of our episode, I had a chance to talk again for a value play segment with Eric Brown, five reasons, realtor.com. Back to five on the floor on the five reasons sports network. We do a segment here called value plays. It's with our friend, Eric Brown, also a sponsor of the five reasons sports network. You can find him at five reasons, That's F I V E reasons, I know you've got some topics this week that are based on some things we talked about on five on the floor, a little bit of a different perspective. Let's get to number one. Uh, number one is I want to explore <clears throat> answering the question that you posed this week regarding the on-court identity for this season's Miami Heat team. And before we get into that, I have two tried and true NBA adages that I think are relevant to the conversation. Number one is you are never as good as you look when you're on a prolonged winning streak. You're never as bad as you look when you're on a prolonged losing streak. And number two is you don't win an NBA championship with youth. So with that said, setting on court identity. And in order to do that, I think there's an overriding question that needs to be answered first. And it's a question that all sports franchises, in fact, all organizations in business or whatever walk of life need to answer. And that is, what is the plan? Now with the Miami Heat, we know who they are, we know their culture, we know what they stand for. But what's the plan for now and moving forward? And by that, I'm specifically referring to, is the franchise uh, one major acquisition like a Bradley Beal away from opening a legitimate championship contending window, or are they a fun, exciting collection of predominantly young players, including a, an emerging superstar and BAM that is building to opening a legitimate championship window? Now, I think they've tried to be both at this point, but I have very definite thoughts on which one they are. But Ethan, I'd like to hear your opinion first. Yeah, I think that they were uh, the second before the bubble. I think that they were in a place where they realized they were a building team. They've done this kind of build before, although this was a little different because it was more with draft choices. And I think they felt they were a year or two away that there would be a big free agent class in 2021. And essentially they would stay lean to allow themselves the flexibility to capitalize on that. I think a couple of things happened that pushed them more towards the first part of what you're talking about. And I think it's obviously backfired so far. And maybe again, circumstances have played into that, but I think the, the winning they did in the bubble, which was not expected to get to the finals accelerated the timeline. And I think also the fact that 2021 has not turned out to be what they anticipated has changed course a little bit in terms of maybe trying to get a player to help them now, as opposed to waiting until the summer. So I think it started as number two and it became number one. So uh, if it's, it, and you think that they should continue pursuing number one? I, I think that they have to make a hard choice right now on whether or not an incremental move for this team makes sense. Uh, can you actually compete this year 
and contend for something significant by adding a player like an example might be a Kyle Lowry in the last year of his contract. Like that's a move that if you think you're close, you make, if you don't think you're close, it's not worth giving up any kind of asset for a 35, 36 year old point guard uh, who's on a $30 million deal and the deals up after this year. So I, I, my, my feeling at this point was I wanted to see them healthy before I made a decision like that. We saw them kind of healthy, drop the games against Charlotte and Washington. And now I've backed off from it a little bit. Well, um, the reason that I preface my remarks with you're never as bad as you look when you're on a prolonged losing streak is in part for what you just, the comment you just made. And that is namely that they really haven't had the team together. So they probably aren't as bad as they look. But I question where they really have the ammo at this point, you know, namely draft capital and, and players in order to really be a true number one. When you take into consideration uh, also the competition that's out there. The way I see the team, uh, when I look at that starting five that we, we run out there, first off, only four of those players are arguably legitimate uh, NBA starters. And of the four, three of them are uh, inexperienced or relatively inexperienced NBA players. Two of them are basically NBA infants. One in the case of Bam is like kind of like a teenager an NBA teenager, if you will. And then when you look at the bench, uh, you have another infant, a, a guy who the, of the four players that at least at Spolster one seems to want to play regularly in his rotation of the four. One's an infant. One is, has an injury history is out, just went out for another month. And the other two, as fond as we may be of Goron, they're two professional intelligent players, but they're towards the end of their career. I mean, unfortunately, I don't really want to you know, cop to that. So to me, I think that they're really just the, the, the really number two and they have Jimmy Butler. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I think that Bam's uh, emergence, again, accelerated the timeline because if you think of him as a top 15 player, but I don't think of Bam as someone who has a top 15 mentality. Okay. In other words, a guy who can carry a team for long stretches. I just don't think he's there yet. I think he can get there. I don't think it's his natural personality. He's never had to be that guy before. You know, one of the differences between hero and Bam is that hero, you know, was the best player in his state. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and was a scorer. And so he's had that kind of pressure on him. Bam really has not. Bam has been essentially a project player, who has gotten the most out of, out of his ability so far, but there's other levels that he can get to from a mental standpoint, I think, but because he just hasn't been in that kind of role. So I, I'm with you. I think that we overrated this roster a bit on paper, but I'm also with you that we haven't seen the full roster. So Eric, I think it makes it challenging to kind of make these decisions, which is why the heat are sort of in this mess right now, because it's like, do you go forward or do you go backwards? Not having the draft pick this year makes it easier to justify going forwards because you can't tank for a pick anyway, but do you want to give up something for your future for a now situation when the now doesn't look great? Well, one of the now situations that we've talked about, Eric, though, is Bradley Beal obviously was here with Washington over the weekend, uh, we've talked a lot about Bradley Beal. Of course, he has to ask out first or at least indicate, you know, that he wants to leave, which is one of the issues here. How do you see that situation? Well, we in Miami, particularly because of the fact that we landed the big three, you know, back some years ago, I think we have a tendency to think that this is like the premier 
uh, NBA free agent destination or any tip player, star player that wants to change should come here and they have to have their head examined if they don't come here. And I understand that. And there are some legitimate arguments for why this is a preferred destination. I mean, just look out the window almost any day of the week. But um, realistically, Bradley Beal will fit in with any seamlessly with almost any organization and any organization would love to have them and would pull out all the stops. So there's a lot of competition uh, coming for the heat if they, if, if Beal decides to ask out. And eventually I, I think we all, there's a consensus that that's going to happen. So right off the top of my head, I think Golden State, if they want Bradley Beal, have an offer that nobody uh, could be. And that is they could offer James Wiseman, uh, and Minnesota's top three protected pick this year, and or they would have, uh, if it doesn't convey this year, it's unprotected next year in 22, which is also supposed to be a bumper crop. This year, there's five, uh, supposedly five top flight uh, draft picks. So imagine if you're Washington, you stink this year, and you uh, have a good shot at getting a top five pick yourself, you could potentially get Minnesota's uh, a, a top five pick, but if not this year, you're going to get something probably good the next year, and you're going to get James Wiseman. So you could be sitting there with three top five picks and a pretty clear cap sheet. I don't see the Heat having anything to, that they could offer that's going to top that. The Sixers could offer Ben Simmons. They have a couple picks. They're not as hamstrung. The Heat are pretty pretty hamstrung as far as picks. Ben Simmons wouldn't be a bad place uh, you know, to start, as well as that first pick they have. And then there's Denver. Michael Porter Jr., uh, if they decide to put him into a trade, which up to now they've been saying they don't, and they have a couple picks. They're also out there, 23 pick, the way the Heat are, that uh, it's, it's lottery protected. But, and, and they have some other young players they can include. So that's some pretty stiff competition. The Heat are hamstrung. They would have to pay, as we discussed, probably pay Oklahoma City just to remove the protection. And we mm -hmm. barely, I think we have one second round pick yeah. to, to, to even do that with. So I don't think it's realistic that Bradley Beal's coming here unless he pulls, uh, you know, an Anthony Davis with Clutch, which is another thing, which is very questionable that Clutch is going to cooperate to bring him here. I don't think it's realistic. And if you're not getting him, tell me who are you getting? Well, that's the problem, right? I mean, we've run down the list, and that's why the Oladipo Tucker thing has picked up. But again, even if you're talking about Tucker, if the asking price that you mentioned is, you know, the asking price apparently has been three second round picks. The Heat, as you say, don't have a plethora of second round picks. So they don't have these extra assets. A lot of the problems with the Heat assets, and we'll talk about this more in another episode. Adam Barias hit on this a little bit. They're either really good assets that you don't want to move, like a BAM, okay, or even a hero in the right circumstance, or a precious with his upside, or they're assets that really aren't worth much. I mean, there, there's not a lot in the middle. And I think it's made it challenging to figure out how to balance those things. Because if you're not going to put BAM on the table, and certainly they're not, mm -hmm. uh, then, then you have to put hero on the table for one of these trades. And then again, it's are you getting someone who's going to be here long term who's going to move the needle? Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. I, I think that's why the more of the attention is turning to Oladipo because I'm with you. Bradley Beal has to basically say he wants to be here. I, I think before emphatically, that happens, emphatically, emphatically, yeah, not not with the the you know the making faces on the bench and liking a bunch of heat posts. Like it's got to be legit. You know, this is where I want to go, Washington. I gave you a chance. Now do the right thing by me. That's to me. That's the only 
solution. All right, you got some questions Wait, for me. One, Let's get one, to one, one, one more point on that. Let's just digress for a second. If you're not getting Bradley Beal, and they're really, you haven't told me anyone that is that major acquisition that opens a legitimate championship window that for the case one that I referred to, are we not really, can't, are, we, can't, are we being unrealistic to assume that we're in case one? Aren't we really in case two with a nice young team? And what's wrong with that for now, just biding our time? Is that unacceptable? Let There's nothing wrong go. with it, Eric, except that they got to the finals. And I think it, it changed, um, it changed the timeline for fans. And, and I think, you know, maybe the best case scenario now, I know people don't want to go through it, is to have some pain this season to sort of circle it back. I mean, let's be honest. Is anybody beating the Lakers this year? Probably not. Uh, so so the question, you know, maybe, and if, if it is, it's the Clippers, it's the Bucks, it's the Nets maybe. It doesn't look like it would be the Heat. So if that's the case, then maybe it does make sense to kind of sort of retreat here a little bit, develop your young players and build. Play, K, play, play KZ, you know, play none a little bit more. I mean, just on a personal note, uh, I'd be willing to, Take my Manscaped uh, lawnmower 3.0, great <laughs> product. Want to want to plug the sponsor? I'd be willing to take that and put it in its dock for the next year and use a rusty straight edge razor. I, you know what? It, this is more information that I needed. But if you're gonna do it, use the code. Uh, that, 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 Eric. That's if you tell me that I don't have to watch. Uh, Kelly being trotted out there as a starter one more time because I'd much rather play the, the younger players than put up with that. I, I think we may be headed there. Again, if you're going to do that, though, manscaped.com, use the code 5RSN. All right, get to the questions for me, okay? Okay. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to ask you as uh, sort of a uh, Bill Belichick-type general manager, let's call you uh, Coach Sco, if you make any of the following moves, particularly after the conversation we just had, if you could get a number one for Gorin right now, would you do it? Is it protected? Well, give me both cases. Um, if you were getting an unprotected pick from a team that was, uh, again, nobody's going to give you a first for Goran unless they're a serious contender, right? So, right. so, so you're not going to get a high pick. Uh, so basically you're looking at a, at a lower pick. Uh, I, I don't want to pick in the late 20s. I think if it's a team that you projected maybe in the 15 to 25 range, because you could flip that pick elsewhere. And obviously we know this is a great draft. I think that, yes, I would do it right now. Okay. In the same vein, you trade an Iguodala for a second round pick. No, no, I, I, because to me, Iguodala's contract is worth more as it's not, it's not that I don't appreciate what Iguodala provides for them. Although obviously if they're not going deep in the playoffs, it's not as valuable and he may be burnt out by then because they've used him more than they want to. But to me, a second-round pick is not. You can buy a second-round pick. I, I would rather use Iguodala's contract in a trade. It, it, again, to have that flexibility. That if you need to add money to make a deal happen, you have it. Okay. Here's one. <laughs> Robinson and Hero. Are you legitimately going to tell me they, those two are going to start together in the playoffs for a title contender? I would have told you yes before this season, but I have serious misgivings about it now. Um, the problem with starting the two of them together is then you cannot afford to have one more subpar defender in your starting lineup. You know, and Alex, Alex says that, but 
I, I think that you can't have more than one at a time. Out there. I think there have been teams that have won with two. Uh, I don't think that there have been teams Recently? that have won with three. Um, I'd have to look at it, but I, I mean, there have been, let me think. Uh, team, I mean, San Antonio think, had mostly plus. I think Tatum and Brown just searching out those two guys. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, Golden State always had at least, uh, I mean, Curry, I mean, you could say Curry's average, but you always had Draymond, you always had Clay, and then when Iggy started, uh, that gave you three plus defenders. I mean, even when Iggy came off the bench, uh, they they had others in there. I mean, typically Bogut was a pretty good defender when they had him. Uh, some of their other bigs have been not great offensive players, but been pretty good defenders. You're probably right, I, but I, I think two two and you're pushing it, three and it's non functional. So I would say. No, um, I think that they have to make a decision. I, I think that the issue, there are two issues there. One is Duncan has to get paid sooner. Uh, that might force the issue here. He's more elite at his one skill than Hero is in any skill, but Hero is younger with the higher upside, which is why Duncan is the guy I would probably move. Okay, and one last one that I think I know the answer of, but I'm throwing it really out of left field. Um, anytime... In the next 12 months, would you consider trading Jimmy for a package of picks and young players, particularly after Beal goes off the board? No. And, and I'll tell you why. Um, to me, it goes beyond uh, his value as a player. But this is an organization that does not want to be in a position to make promises to guys, commitments to guys, and then move him. The only way I would trade Jimmy is if he asked for it. Uh, and I just don't believe he's going to ask for it. I, I, his frustrations right now, uh, he has some frustrations with teammates right now, but his frustration, from my understanding, is not with the organization. It's with maybe guys not coming back with the same motor that they had last year or maybe making some excuses. I, I think you hold uh, – to me, Jimmy's a guy you hold till the end of his contract. I, unless, unless he comes to you and says, I want out, you didn't take – you didn't get, get me the talent around me, you promised, in which case then I would I would – consider it but no otherwise i would not trade jimmy butler okay coach sco i, I appreciate your <laughs> frankness <laughs> you didn't give me all you know sweet and warm answers so I, I appreciate that all right so where do we find you eric uh at uh five reasons realtor.com incidentally i have uh as a service to uh, your uh, to all the listeners I actually have two houses coming up that aren't on the market. And right now there's not a lot of inventory. I have one in Heron Bay that's uh, going to come up here in the next 30, 60 days, but I could get someone in if they wanted to buy it. It's in the high 900s. And then there's another one in Boca Raton in the uh, mid 500s where there's just absolutely no inventory in pretty much anywhere in uh, South Florida and Boca Raton that I, that I know of. So if you're interested in looking at those houses, you can reach me at uh, fivereasonsrealtor.com. Five reasons, realtor.com. Um, I'll spread the word outside of the pot as well. You'll be back with value plays next week. Appreciate it, Eric. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five reasons sports network.